It's Monday. It's morning. It's macabre. Listen, everybody. Welcome to Monday Morning Macabre, the show <laughs> where we talk about... Listen. Put, put, put your headphones on and drop everything you're holding, especially if it's a human being. Drop that Walkman. Drop it like it's hot, you know? <laughs> I mean, hey. We're hip. I've heard. Welcome to Monday Morning Macabre, the show where we talk about spooky, creepy stuff. It is Darce and Scones here. I'm Darce. I'm Scones. And uh, each week we bring you a new spooky thing. You know how this works by now. It's episode freaking like a million and five. Heck yeah. I know you guys have been wondering. It's been a little bit since we've given you an update on our current status. And we are still dangling above lava in a volcano at the Sling and Dingers headquarters. Nothing has changed. So we've not given you an update in that regard. Um, we do have a lot more time for Monday Morning Macabre though since we quit our other side project. Those of you who don't know, me and Darcy uh, used to tour around, yes. dab a little bit as the uh, techno uh, group Daft Punk. We Daft decided Punk. to yeah, set that so, aside. Yeah. We said, you know what? We need to focus on our primary income source. You, the listener. <laughs> you, the fucking sucker. Have we made uh, hit after hit after hit after hit after hit? Sure. I am running out of places to put my Grammys. Yeah. I have multiple grandmothers on my end as well. I don't know where to put them. And we just needed to take a break, you know? The last time I've I've made a song that I enjoyed was the aforementioned Steam Machine from a few episodes ago. And uh, here we are. I like Too Long, our song that's nine and a half minutes. Uh, I remember when we said we could make this three, and then we're like, you know what? I could just copy-paste this loop. Let's do it, baby. And then we said, what are we going to call it? And we ended on too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyways, we put down the helmets and we're back to telling spooky, scary stories. Back, Yeah, we're back. Welcome for another week, everybody. It's it's a good time to be alive. Scones is our macabarista this week. Bringing you a brew. He will be. <laughs> scary brew. He's going to be spitting all over me on <laughs> our secret camera. Particles. <laughs> secret. <laughs> Uh, hidden camera television show. What what would be the name of our reality show, Scones? If we were like, it's Scones and Darcy on Venice Beach. You know what I'm talking about? Like make a Jersey Shore spinoff, but make oh, it. Oh, okay. I thought macabre. you meant it's like a game show where we spit on each other. No. I was like, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I take it back. No, I like that a lot. It's like Slime Time Live, but way sexier. <laughs> Nick Cannon coming back. Like- <laughs> Nick Cannon's going to get spit on by us. It's going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> True what, TV. What is it? Uh, laundry, gym, uh, cabs or something? I don't remember the what the guy said on Jersey laundry Shore. Laundry, gym, cabs? What? They said three things. What's the producer off screen? What? what do they used to yell? Um, gym, Tam, laundry. laundry. Thank you, producer. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You're talking about new, the the shore of New Jersey? Yes. Gym, Tam, I've never laundry. actually witnessed an episode. Um, so I... I you're, you've got me there. That's okay. I burn in the sunlight like a vampire, so the tan like, parts are yeah. good for me. I twinkle like a twilight vampire. He burns. Um, One of us really got a, a raw deal. <laughs> yeah, you got a shit out of that deal now. Start spitting. <laughs> patooey, patooey. Nick Cannon. Clang, clang, clang. So today... Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? So tonight? I chose today's topic. I don't know if you've uh, you've been on the internet. You've been hip. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been known to be hip. A certain song that might mm. be considered an oldies has made a return hit and is all over the internet. And that song is 
Rah Rah Rasputin. So today I thought oh. we might educate the kids on Grigori Rasputin. I'm a big fan. Me and Just Dance 3 go way back. Heck yeah. Band, play that. Are we allowed to use the song? Uh, probably. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Also, that fan-made song, I'm totally willing to get in the get in the beat laboratory. Uh, yeah, that would also do be a little auto-tuner, a little, a little fix-up, and then use it as the outro. Just saying. Mmm, mmm, mmm. We have to get, we'd have to get the, uh, Ooh, the okay good. from the artist. That's true. He knows who he is, or they know who, who they is. know who they are. And I mean, we know how to produce music, obviously. So for sure, we're definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. So, band. Why do we have a band? <laughs> we we we're Daft Punk. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I didn't think about this part. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. We'll see you in a second. <laughs> Grigori, Grigori, no fooling Rasputin. Yep, Grigori Rasputin. People who don't know, he was a cleric of sorts with lots of controversial rumors, legends, and stuff about him. Yeah, but let's get back. High charisma, very high charisma, very low strength role. But yeah, uh, I mean, he's a cleric, so you can't expect that much strength for sure. But anyway, definitely, definitely an intellect kind of guy. Let's go back to the beginning. Rasputin was born a peasant in the small village of, uh, geez, po- Pokrovs- I love it. Pokrovskoy along the Tura River in Siberia. Way out there. Ooh. Siberia boys. Also, if anyone out there, if you're a listener and you've seen the show Siberia from like 2009, maybe, <laughs> I might be the only other person who can relate to you, so we need to start talking. <laughs> All right. Anyway, now that I've said that, keep going. He was named for St. Gregory of Nyssa, whose feast was celebrated on the 10th of January. Don't know why they say that. Anyway, according to historian Doug Smith, Rasputin's youth and early adulthood are, quote, a black hole which we know almost nothing, end quote. Thanks, Doug. Rasputin was not formally educated and remained illiterate well into his early adulthood. Dude, that's the dream, honestly. Dude. Who needs to... Ri- I've been trying to remain <laughs> illiterate, but this goddamn books keep getting at me. Every door I, I turn around, there's books, piles of books. I, I, I wake up and there's just open books on my bed pillow I, trying to get me to read I them. I turn on my computer, it's just hooked on phonics, pre-installed. Yeah, maybe speaking, looking thick tonight. <laughs> Local archival records <laughs> suggest that he had a somewhat unruly youth. Possibly involving drinking, small thefts, and disrespect for local authorities. My new punk rock album. I I was going to say, he sounds like a fucking cool dude. Drinking, small theft, and disrespect for local authorities. Now that we're Daft Punk's over, we can... Now now we can be something new. But contained... That's our new take. No evidence of his uh, being charged with stealing horses, blasphemy, or bearing false witnesses. All major crimes later imputed to him as a young man. You say horse theft? Yeah. He was just a horse girl in dis- in the closet. Pretty much, he was a closeted horse girl. I mean, it's the it's the 1800s, so I guess that's still a thing in Siberia. Lots of horses. Yeah, I guess that's cars that you wouldn't steal a horse. <laughs> you wouldn't download a horse. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> download a horse. <laughs> Nay, <laughs> Rasputin traveled to Abalak, Russia, some 250 kilometers east northeast of Tyumen, and uh, geez, two 2,800 kilometers east of Moscow. Just for reference, it's 
in the middle of nowhere cool. where he met a peasant girl named Praskovia Dubrovina. A courtship of several months, mm. they married in February of 1887. Praskovia remained the in Praskovioi through Rasputin's later travels Ooh. and rise to prominence and remained devoted to him until his death. Cool. The couple Good had seven children, although only three Whoa. survived to adulthood. Anyway, religious yeah. conversion. Let's get to that point in his life. In 1890. Religious conversion. Religious conversion. Everyone's favorite feel-good topic. In 1897, Rasputin developed a renewed interest in religion and left Praskovic Pokrovskoy. I need to learn how to say that town because... Is there one of those like YouTube videos with like a white background, a black text, where it's like a fucking voice, voice yeah. like Pokrovskoy. text-to-speech guy? Pokrovskoy. It's like Pokrovskoy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that doesn't help, really, because he sounds like a robot. <laughs> Anyways, he leaves there to go on a pilgrimage. His reasons are unclear, according to some sources. Rasputin left the village to escape punishment for his role in a horse theft. <laughs> Dude. Dude's humble beginnings, man. Dude, started at horse theft, and now we're here. Started at horse theft, now we are here. How every quality uh, cleric begins their journey. Other sources suggest he had a vision of the Virgin Mary, or of St. Simeon of Ver... Oh, jeez. For Kotoria, some word I can't say. No, this is mostly fucking orcish so far. <laughs> I don't know. Most of this well, is unintelligible. Still others suggest that Rasputin's pilgrimage was inspired by a young theological student, Melody Zab- Zaborowski. I love how the first names are like, okay, we're chill. And then the last name is like, well, good. Just take a freestyle. <laughs> I'll be like consonants, dude. Anyway, <laughs> whatever his reasons, Rasputin cast off his old life. He was 28, married 10 years with an infant son and another child on the way. According to Douglas. Dude, sounds awfully similar to my life. Just, maybe next year I'm taking <laughs> the high road. Maybe next year Dutch just thinks, hmm, pilgrimage. <laughs> Uh-oh, that horse looks juicy. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> According to Douglas Smith, his decision, quote, could have only been occasioned by some sort of emotional or spiritual crisis, end quote. I think he's just a dick, but I guess we'll chalk it up to him having a spiritual awakening. These guys are giving him a lot of outs here. (laughs) For sure. Rasputin had undertaken earlier shorter pilgrimages to the holy Znamensky Monastery at Abalak in Tobolsk's Cathedral. Dude, this is (laughs) literally orcish. This is not human stuff. (laughs) Dogledur. But his visit this to some Middle Earth shit. But his visit to the Saint Nicholas Monastery at Verkatoria, Ver- <laughs> 1897, transformed him. <laughs> He's a transformer. <laughs> there he met and was profoundly humbled by Staretz, or an elder known as Makari. Makabi. I wish. Rasputin I have spent several is. months at. The, the city beginning with a V, and it was perhaps that he... <laughs> learned, <laughs> at hashtag big V. Perhaps that he learned to read and write there. But he later complained about the monastery, claiming that some of the monks engaged in homosexuality and criticizing mon- monastic life as too coercive. Oh, so monks be sex? That's <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like he, uh, he was trying to get to. It's like, hey, man, monks be too sexy. I got to monks be sexy. He returned to uh, that other town with a P, a changed man, looking <laughs> disheveled and behaving differently. He became a vegetarian, swore off alcohol, and prayed and sang much more fervently than he had in the past. So he's just a hipster mutt, but back then. Just imagine going to 
a city, talking to an old guy. The monks are getting too sexy, so then you got to come home. And <laughs> s- you got to come home and sing way harder than you did in the Bro, past. Bro, they all have six packs. What the <laughs> fuck, man? I'm going back home and singing way harder I than can't. I used to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm a vegetarian too. Oh, by the way, fuck meat. <laughs> spent the years. All I can see is the monks' beautiful faces in it. <laughs> they work hard and play hard. <laughs> Monks for life. <laughs> dan, 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 dan. Everybody <laughs> dance now. That was on repeat back then. Oh, for sure. That's a Simpsons reference. Some, if not maybe one person I know, will get. Rasputin spent the years that followed as Stronic, a holy wanderer pilgrim, leaving the pea city for months or even years <laughs> at a time to wander the country and visit a variety of holy sites. It is possible he wandered as far as Mount Athos, the center of Eastern Orthodox monastic life in 1900. Dang. You know what they say about Dang. Mount Athos? Hey. Athos? I hardly <laughs> the know. The sexiest folks, right? monks are in Mount Athos. <laughs> <laughs> Alpha, Theta, <laughs> Sigma. By the Athos. early 1900s, Rasputin had developed a small circle of followers through his travels. Ah, we've heard this story all too many times. Mm, sounds familiar. Primarily family members and other local peasants who prayed with him on Sundays <laughs> and other holy days when he was in the Pea City. Building a makeshift chapel in Ephim's root cellar. Rasputin was still... In a root cellar? In a root cellar, my dude. Rasputin was still living with his father's household at the time. So that's his dad's house. He made a, a chapel Welcome in the... to dad's house. He's just a typical millennial, dude. Dude, he's an upstart. He's a hashtag uh, side hustler, hashtag hustle, hashtag student athlete. Big into the gig economy. Um, so the group held secret prayer meetings there. These meetings were the subject of some suspicion and hostility from the village priest. They're like, hey, you're doing underground Christianity? You can only do Christianity here. <laughs> you got to do in the light Christianity. You can't run run outside the house, gather in a little circle and go, all this cool, everything goes All well. this cool, sexy, punk rock Christianity in the basements. <laughs> it was rumored that female followers were ceremonially washing Rasputin before each meeting, that the group would That's sing funny. strange songs, and even that Rasputin had joined the Klisti, the Klisti, K-H-L-Y-S-T-Y, literally not a vowel in there. Cl- yeah, cl- Klisti. <laughs> Ooh, Klisti. A religious sect whose ecstatic rituals were rumored to include self-flagellation and sexual orgies. Ooh, well, I love sex. What kind of orgies are you having that aren't like necessarily sexual? Um, yeah, you let's know? really let's really like have a think, think about it. Said or- <laughs> I would have got it. Not like <laughs> let's really dwell on this. Part. Not That's like what the listeners want. According to historian Joseph Furman, however, repeated investigations failed to establish that Rasputin was ever a member of the Clisty, and rumors that he was a Clist, as for short apparently. Oh, okay, we got to be careful here. This is <laughs> fucking minefield. Appear to have been unfounded. It's gonna like be some Russian mix of letters where it's pronounced like an F or something, and I'm way off. <laughs> Rasputin's rise to prominence. The next chapter in our tale, dear. Actually, wait, dear listener. Go get a go to the bathroom, put it on pause, uh, get it, refill your popcorn if you want. I'm sure this is how you ingest your podcast. Yeah, I, I know you watch us or listen to us the same way you watch your favorite films. Yep. Popcorn in hand. Let's all go to the lobby. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Think of scones as a giant hot dog with arms <laughs> and legs, and I'm a popcorn box. <laughs> 
the next phase for Daft Punk. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend for 50s cartoon <laughs> movie theater concessions. Rasputin's rise to prominence. Hope you're back in your seat, strapped in for the rest of our tale, listener. <laughs> Word of Rasputin's activity. <laughs> and his charisma. It says charisma. So, Darcy, you were dead on earlier. Told you. His charisma began to spread. In, he in, has a high charisma account. His charisma spread throughout Siberia, which I don't know if that means it got to all 18 people that live there, but. My charisma spe- spread through college and I was kicked out of my dorm. <laughs> I remember we had a class uh, all about the spreading of charisma, <laughs> especially freshman year of college. Anyway. Yep. yep during yep, the yep. early 1900s. At some point during 1904 or 1905, he traveled to the city of Kazan. See, that one's easy. I like that city. Where he acquired a reputation yeah, it's a, it's a good as a wise steritz or holy man who could help people resolve their spiritual crisis and anxieties. Despite rumors that Rasputin okay. was having sex with female followers, Hashtag. he made a favorable impression on the father superior of the Seven Lakes Monastery, which is the most anime title I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. So basically, the father superior of the Seven Lakes Monastery was outside Kazan, as well as ch- local church officials, Arch, Archimandrite Andre and Bishop Chrysanthemos. Basically, Archimandrite Andre and Bishop Chrysanthemum uh, gave him a letter of recommendation to Bishop Sergei. You know the whole crew, uh, the rector of Saint Petersburg at the time. And uh, yep. Alexander Nevsky Monastery arranged for him to travel to Saint Petersburg. So tr- St. Saint- Petersburg. At this time, St. Petersburg is the capital kind of main city in Russia. Of the world. I think it was, wasn't it, yep. before the whole revolution? Uh, yes. Who knows Russian history? Yes, it was prior to the old USS Stinker. When all the old Russian family had a bunch of oopsie-whoopsies. Yeah. Upon meeting Sergei yeah. at the Nevsky Monastery, Rasputin was introduced to church leaders, including Archmandrite Theophan, inspector of the theological seminary who was well-connected in St. Petersburg society and later served as confessor to the Tsar and his wife. For those of you who don't know, Tsar is like the dude. He's like the Tsar, essentially yeah, a king a big, kind of figure. Yeah, he's the big boss. Theophan was so impressed with Rasputin that he invited him to stay in, this, uh, in his home. Theophan became one of Rasputin's most important and influential friends in St. Petersburg. So at this point, Rasputin's just social climbing. Dude, this is the come up. So hard. Yeah, this is this is pretty wild. He just got retweeted by like LeBron James, and now everyone's following him. That's all it takes, baby. It was these. All it takes is that one LeBron James we retweet. We tweet. <laughs> one we tweet, please. <laughs> yeah, Mr. LeBron James. Hey, uh, Chrissy Teigen, we're still waiting for that one we tweet. Yeah, we could really use that we tweet. Cool. Chrissy. <laughs> It was through these meetings that Rasputin attracted some of his early and most influential followers. So not those old followers from the small town church. Yeah. He's one of those new followers in St. Petersburg. Yeah. He's he's joined the uh, rival follower gang where they have like uh, sponsorships and nice gear. He's in that, uh, what do they call the place where all the TikTokers live? Um, There's always... LA. No, isn't there a name of like a compound? Something like really scary and creepy. TikTok compound? I'm pretty sure. It's like really creepy. Oh God. Anyway, uh, but uh, he's at that. <laughs> he's at that for Russian <laughs> Christians at the time. Yikes. Alternative religious movements such as spiritualism, which we've talked about at length in many episodes, and theosophy, which I don't know what it is, had become popular among cities 
aristocracy before Rasputin's arrival in St. Petersburg. Many of the aristocracy were intensely curious about the occult. Hell yeah, and the supernatural. I like you that. Listeners, this is that shit we do like. We like you that. We like you that. We nicely rap. Rasputin's ideas and, quote, strange manners, end quote, made him the subject of intense curiosity among St. Petersburg's elite, who, according to historian Joseph Furman, were, also, quote, (coughs) bored, cynical, and seeking new experiences, end quote, during this period. This is like that episode of Peaky Blinders with the Russians, and they do really scary stuff because they're bored. (laughs) Dude, when is that new season coming? This is important. All right, so they started filming again. So we're back on track, okay. and so they've actually right. announced that instead of doing two more seasons, they're going to do one more season in a movie. One more in a movie, right? Yeah. So uh, okay. I don't know how I feel about right. that, but that's for another podcast. Rasputin's appeal may have been enhanced by the fact that he was also a native Russian, unlike other self-described, quote, holy men. Mm. According to Joseph T. Furman, Rasputin stayed in St. Petersburg only for a few months on his first visit and returned to that city that begins with a P in the fall of 1903. <laughs> historian Doug Smith, Dougie Smith is back, however, argues that it Big is Big D in the Smith Smith's table. The Smith family farm. However, argues that it is impossible to know whether Rasputin stayed in St. Petersburg or actually returned. Regardless, Rasputin had, uh, by 1905, Rasputin had formed friendships with several members of the aristocracy. The, the big time, mm. the big time Twitter people. The big time boys. Including the, quote, black princesses. What is that? Uh... Their names are Melissa, Melitza, and Anastasia of Montenegro. Ooh. They had married Tsar's cousins. And I guess we're just known Ooh. as the Black Princesses. They were instrumental in introducing Rasputin to the Tsar and his family. So we're at the top, people. We made it. We out here, Rasputin. <laughs> Rasputin? Rasputin's going viral. He Essentially, the 1905 version of going viral was him, for sure. Yep. For sure. Rasputin first met the Tsar on the 1st of November, 1905, at the Petrov Palace. The Tsar recorded the event in his diary, what a nerd, writing that he and Alexandra <laughs> had, quote, made the acquaintance of a man of God, Grigory from Tobolsk province. Rasputin okay. returned to the city that begins with the P shortly after their first meeting and did not return until July of 1906. However, when he did return, right. Rasputin sent Nicholas, the Tsar, a telegram asking to present the Tsar with an icon of Simeon of Verkotoyarivartyota. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he met with Nicholas and Alexandra on the 18th of July and again in October when he first met their children. That's wicked important. Mm-hmm. Rasputin was first introduced to the Tsar in the Tsarina as a healer who could help their son, Alexei, who suffered from hemophilia. Well, Joseph Furman speculated that it was October 1906 that Rasputin was first asked to pray for the health of Alexei. So this is a big deal. Mm. So for those of you who don't know, the Tsar family, kind of like the royal family of England, uh, deals with the genetic problem of hemophilia. Interesting. Meaning they're vampires, right? Isn't that what that means? Exactly. They have to drink the blood of the innocent. Yep, yep, yep. Much of setting up much of Rasputin's influence with the royal family stemmed from the belief that Alexandra and others that he had on several occasions eased the pain and stopped the bleeding of Alexei. According to historian Mark Farrow, the Tsarina <coughs> had a passionate attachment to Rasputin. Whoa, believing that he could uh, heal her son's affliction. Okay. Harold Shuckman wrote that Rasputin became a quote indispensable member of the royal entourage. So this dude's like. He's as hot as they come at the moment. Okay. Cool. 
During the summer of 1912, Alexei developed a hemorrhage in his thigh and groin after a jolting carriage ride near the Royal Hunting Grounds uh, at Spala, which would cause a large hematoma. In severe pain and delirious with a fever, Alexei appeared close to death. In desperation, Alexandra asked Voryubova to send Rasputin, who was in Siberia, a telegram asking him to pray for Alexei. Rasputin wrote back. Saying to Alexandra that God has seen your tears and heard your prayers. Do not grieve. The little one will not die. Do not allow the doctors to bother him too much. Yikes. The next morning, Alexei's condition was unchanged, but Alexandra was encouraged by the message and regained some of the hope that Alexei would survive. Alexei's bleeding would stop Uh, the following day. Whoa. Yeah, so this is like why Rasputin can just pretty much do whatever the fuck he wants at this point. Cool. Historian Robert K. Massey has called Alexei's recovery one of the most mysterious episodes of the whole Rasputin legend. The cause of the recovery is unclear. Let's get on to the controversy now that he's up at the top. Now that he's made it to the peakity peak, let's hear about some some not great stuff. The royal family's belief in Rasputin's healing powers brought up considerable status and power in the courts. The Tsar appointed Rasputin as Lamplighter charged with keeping the lamps lit before religious icons in the palace and thus gained him regular access to the palace and the royal family. So, you know what they say if you're the lamplighter. Light light me up, daddy. <laughs> oh, so you do know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like the first guy to do it. Wow. By December 1906, <laughs> you had to come close enough to ask a special favor of the Tsar <laughs> that he be permitted to change his surname to Rasputin Novi or Rasputin the New. Mm. Nicholas granted the request in the Name change was speedily processed, suggesting that the Tsar's favor at that early date. Rasputin used his position to full effect, accepting bribes and sexual favors from admirers and working diligently to expand his influence. It sounds just like anyone pol- like in politics ever. Oh, yeah. Cool. Rasputin soon became a controversial figure. He was accused of, by his enemies of religious heresy and rape, was suspected Oof. of exerting undue political influence over the Tsar, and was even rumored to be having an affair with the Tsarina. Opposition to Rasputin's influence grew within the church. In 1907, the local clergy in that city that begins with a P denounced Rasputin as a heretic, and the Bishop of Tobolsk launched an inquest into his activities, accusing him of spreading false, clist-like doctrines. In St. Petersburg, Rasputin faced opposition even more from prominent clerics, including... Oh, prominent critics, sorry. Including Prime Minister Mm. Peter Stolopin and Okrana, the Tsar's secret police. Having ordered an investigation of Rasputin's activities, Stolopin confronted the Tsar about him, but did not succeed in reigning in Rasputin's influence. In 1909, uh, geez, Kayonia Berlatska, <laughs> who had been one of the Rasputin's uh, early supporters in St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg, accused him of raping her. She went to Theophan for aid, and the incident helped to convince Theophan that Rasputin was a danger to the monarch. Yikes. Rumors multiplied that Rasputin had assaulted female followers and behaved inappropriately on visits to the royal family. In particular with the Tsar's teenage daughter, Olga and Tatiana, rumors reported wildly in the press after this. Mm-hmm. Rasputin would also become more fascinated with groups from the church who focused on the, basically the only way to get closer to God is to sin and then pray for forgiveness for it and then repeat. <laughs> what, what a way to think what about it. What a way it. to justify being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, no, that's the only way I can get closer to God is by spitting in your underwear. If I'm not an asshole, I can't be... I can't, I don't know, dude. It's so <laughs> stupid. Anyway, World War One. 
The dissolution of anyway, <laughs> with World War One became the dissolution of feudalism and a meddling government bureaucracy all contributed to Russia's rapid economic decline. Many laid the blame on Alexandra and her evil spirit Rasputin. One outspoken spoken member of the Duma, Vladimir Parishkovich, stated that on November 1916 that he held the Tsar's ministers had, quote, been turned into marionettes, marionettes whose threads had been taken firmly in the hand of Rasputin. So basically, right. think, people think he's, like, controlling all of Russia, and he's, like, hypnotized and, like, seduced the Tsarina. Yeah. He's got some supernatural stuff going on, and he's also got some political stuff going and on. And if you see the guy, he is the creepiest-looking dude in pictures. Yeah, he's not a he's not a very good—he good. good uh, he doesn't look healthy so much, I'd say. And he's got these eyes that in pictures look like they're not really there. I don't know how to describe it. They don't look like real eyes. <laughs> real eyes, real eyes, real eyes. Uh, everyone out They're there? very, like, intense. Anyway, so once you're at the top, obviously causing a lot of controversy, controversy, there would be the assassination attempt. On the 12th of July, Uh-oh. 1914, a 33-year-old peasant woman named Choyonia Guseva attempted to assassinate Rasputin by stabbing him in the stomach outside his home in Pokrovskoy. I'll go Pokrovskoy. Sure. Guseva, the stabber was a follower of Iliador, a former priest who had supported Rasputin, but before denouncing his sexual escapades and self-aggrandizement in December of 1911. These words, man. These sound still Middle-earthy. That guy's name was not... This is D&D. It's a, it's a very Game of Thrones situation going on, too. A radical conservative and anti-Semite, Iliador had been part of a group of establishment figures who had attempted to drive a wedge between the royal family and Rasputin in 1911. When, while this failed... Iliador was banished from St. Petersburg and ultimately defrocked, whatever defrocked means. Defrocked is removed of all titles, I believe? Yikes. Kuseva claimed to have acted alone when she stabbed him, having read about Rasputin in the newspapers and believing him to be a false prophet and even an antichrist. So we think this guy's the antichrist at this point. Yeah. Both the police and Rasputin, however, believe that Iliador had instigated the attempt on Rasputin's life. Iliador fled the country before she could be questioned, and Kuseva never found not responsible for actions by reason of insanity. So basically, she stabbed him. He was like, get out of here. He was like, ow. Hey, stop. Come on. Guys. Stop it. We just need to remember, he, this all started from a little horse thief. You know, look, how, look where he's at now getting stabbed by. So listener, look to your left. Look to your right. <laughs> One of these people could, infl- could, steal could horse. influence global politics. A group of nobles led by Prince Felix Yusupov, Grand Duke Dmitry Paklovich and right-wing politician Vladimir Paruskovich decided that Rasputin's influence over the Tsarina threatened the empire and concocted a plan in December 1916 to once again attempt to assassinate him, apparently by luring him to the Yusupov's Moika Palace. You know how nice Moika Palace is. I don't know how you can say no. Dude, in the springtime, the cherry blossom trees? Oh my god, the chrysanthemums. In the garden bed. Oh, to die for. To die for. Rasputin. To die for. So basically, he would be invited to the Moika Palace, where the Yusupov claims that he invited Rasputin to his home shortly after midnight and ushered him into the basement. Yusupov offered Rasputin tea and cakes, which had been laced with cyanide. Rasputin initially refused the cakes, but then he began to eat them. And to Yusupov's surprise, appeared completely unaffected by any of the poison. It's like that scene in Game of Thrones with the red, the red witch. Like exactly, Rasputin. Same deal. J- Rasputin just being an absolute chat at the moment, 
asked for some of Madeira's wine to wash it down. Little did he know the wine had also been poisoned. <laughs> Rasputin would drink three glasses and showed no sign of distress. Jesus. At around 2.30 a.m., Yusupov excused himself to go upstairs, where his fellow conspirators were waiting. He took a revolver from Dmitry Pavlovich, then returned to the basement and told Rasputin that he'd better look at the crucifix and say a prayer, referring to a crucifix in the room, then shot him once in the chest. Conspirators then drove to Rasputin's apartment with Sukaton wearing Rasputin's coat and hat and attempt to make it look as though he had returned home. They then returned to the Moika Palace and Yusupov went back to the basement to ensure Rasputin was dead. Suddenly, Rasputin would leap up and attack Yusupov, who freed himself with some effort and fled upstairs. <laughs> Rasputin followed him and made it to the palace's courtyard before being shot again, by this time by Parishkovich, and collapsing into a snowbank. The conspirators would then wrap his body in a cloth and drove it to the Petrovsky Bridge and drop it in the Malaika River. So it took a lot to kill him. He had a lot of lives. He had a lot of green mushrooms stored I up. mean, yeah, I was going to say, he's a true gamer. He had a lot of one-ups. Uh, news of Rasputin's murder spread quickly, even before his body was found, according to Douglas Smith. Perushkovich spoke openly about Rasputin's murder to two soldiers and to a policeman. So kind of a bad move if he just murdered someone who was investigating reports of yeah. shots shortly after the event. But he urged them not to tell anybody. <laughs> that classic no, move. No, no, be cool, though. I don't need a lawyer. Just just don't narc. Yeah, just be cool. Two workmen noticed blood on the railing of the Petrovsky Bridge and found a boot on the ice below, and police began searching the area. Rasputin's body was found under the river ice on the 1st of January, approximately 200 meters downstream from the bridge. Dr. Dmitry Kozorotov, the city's aut- senior autopsy surgeon, conducted an autopsy. Kosorotov report sounds like his job. Kosorotov's report was lost, but he later stated that Rasputin's body had shown no signs of severe trauma, including three gunshot wounds. Oh no, sorry, had shown. <laughs> I'm the dumbest. Rasputin's body had shown <laughs> signs like, of what? severe trauma, including three gunshot wounds, a slice okay. wound to his left side, and many other injuries, many of which Kosorotov felt had been sustained post mortem. Kosorotov found a single bullet in Rasputin's body, but stated that it was too badly deformed and a type too widely used to trace. He found no evidence that Rasputin had been poisoned. According to both Douglas Smith and Joseph Furman, Kosortov found no water in Rasputin's lungs, and reports that incorrect that Rasputin had been thrown in the water alive. Some later accounts claim that... Oh, Jesus Christ. Rasputin's... <laughs> some accounts later claim that Rasputin's... His, uh, his hoo-ha had been severed. Ooh. But Kosortov found his genitals intact. There's also apparently a museum in Russia, and I think another one in America that claimed to have Rasputin's hoo-ha on display in a jar. Yeah, it's called my basement, bro. <laughs> Whoa! Got him. Rasputin would be buried on January 2nd at a small church that Anna Verubova had been building at the... Ah, jeez. The funeral was attended only by the imperial family and a, few <laughs> of their in, and a few of their intimates. Whatever that means. Well, I mean, I know what it means, it means but what a weird... Again. <laughs> Rasputin's wife, his mistress, and his children were never invited. Rip. His body was exhumed and burned by a detachment of soldiers shortly after the Tsar abdicated the throne in 1917, so that his grave would not become a rallying point for supporters of the old regime. That's wild. And that is the rise, weirdness, and, and horrible asshole, and then fall, that is Rasputin. Of Reggie Rasputin. So uh, next time you're listening to Rah Rah Rasputin... <laughs> you can go, hey, this guy's genitals are in Darcy's hey, basement. Hey, that guy did a lot of weird fucked up shit because uh, he 
like to just be like, hey, Nate, come on. Let's get me closer to God. Come on. So to summarize, horse thief, cute monks, genitals and basements. Um, Easy summary of the episode. Also, you forgot punk rock, church in the basement. Yes. Punk rock, church in the basement. Punk rock, church in the basement. You got some punk rock church in your basement. I got some punk rock church in my basement. <laughs> Baby, do, 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 do. We're Daft Punk. This is how we figure our songs out. <laughs> We've been doing that for 20 years, folks. <laughs> and boy, is it lucrative, baby. So that's that's uh that makes my just dance experience slightly less fun, but a little bit. At the same time, I I love the We'll play it. Who cares? <laughs> Who's gonna DMCA us? <laughs> it was a shame how he carried on. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's one of those guys that like everyone you like kind of know the name, but you don't realize he's a crazy dark wizard. Yeah, who controlled like one of the most powerful uh, royal families at the start of the 20th century, and was just a dude who did that. Like he's just a guy. And and he, if just, you see this dude, you're gonna be like, "Wow, my nightmares are now yeah. populated by yeah, one his man." Beard. <laughs> He's got a wild beard. He he looks like a Stephen King villain. Yeah. Yeah. His his eyes if are I, wild. I can't even look at the say is, He won't say it, but I'll say it. He, Scones is trying to say that he's a cutie. He's a cutie and... It's official. Listen, you don't hang out with the sexiest monks around. <laughs> and not pick up a thing or two about how to look good. So that's, uh, that's, that's Reggie Rasps. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know why I like calling him Reggie. Old Reggie. It feels right. If if you leave a comment if you guys have ever met Rasputin cuz he could still be alive. Uh leave a comment and be like, "Hey, Scones is an asshole. Uh I'm from Russia or of Russian descent and those words aren't that hard, but guess what? I'm a dumb American and they're very hard for me." And you're probably from that <laughs> pea city, so <laughs> whatever. Uh let me know if you guys have watched Siberia. Let us know through our socials, Twitter, MM Macabre Pod, Instagram, Monday Morning Macabre, and MondayMorningMacabre.com for all your merch and episode needs, all that good stuff. Check out the Patreon. New Patreon app will be dropping the same day as this stinky Wilson, and uh, so keep an ear out for that. And if there's a very charismatic uh, religious or like spiritual figure who rolls into town, just don't follow him. Yeah, he's probably a snake oil salesman. If you learn anything from this podcast, weird charismatic guys with long hairs and beard, long hair and beards, like long hairs and beards, dudes, don't do it. Just don't do it. It's not good. Don't drink the Kool Aid. And above all, (laughs) above all, have a good Monday. Monday. Oh, that Monday's so good. Oh, it's so good Monday. (laughs) Oh, it's a that's a piper hot, nice, good cup of Monday. Oh, there's a there's a right off the right off oh, the oven. Oh, can you pass the half and half across the table there? Uh sure. It's a piping on Monday. You got to cool it down with a little bit of fridge. Yeah. You got. You got to be fresh. Boy. <laughs>